Let's pray together. O rock of ages, would you cleft for us? Would you once again come and bless us and let us hide ourselves and our brokenness and our sinfulness in who you are and of what you have done? Father, I, I come before you with nothing in my hands that really can do anything other than bring defilement. I come with nothing of my own, no, no, no righteousness of my own. And all I want, Father, is, is to cling again to the cross of Christ Jesus. We come to Thee. We come together, broken, needing to be mended. We come again today naked and needing to be clothed. We come seeking this rock of ages, seeking this Savior to come and to give us life. Oh, Father God, because You love us and because we are Yours, we ask that You would send now the Spirit of the living God into this room, that, that You would be pleased to use a broken sinner to speak Your truth, and only You could do that. And Father, we pray that You would give us ears to hear, not my voice, but Your voice, the voice of the, the God who is, the God who is loving, the God that You would come with such power and, and shine Your light through Your Spirit into our minds, into the darkness of our minds, so that we could understand Your love, Your law, Your Word, God, we pray that you would lovingly just wrap your, your hands around our hearts and remove the parts that are sinful and, and stony and, and give us today, again, just hearts that beat for you and, and hearts that believe in you and hearts that, that live for you. God, we pray that as we leave here, you give us feet that, that walk in a manner worthy of the gospel that is your ambassadors, as your children, as your storytellers, that you would empower us to go and proclaim this good news, that for each one of us, you would come and we will never be the same because you met with us today. And you love us. The things that I say are wrong or merely by opinion. May they be forgotten and fall away. The things that are true and contain the good news of Jesus, would you use those things to make us more like Christ Jesus? God, we pray that you and you alone receive glory. We pray that we receive great joy and instruction. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, question for you. What would you be willing to do? Or what would you be willing to pay for some advice that would cause you to live your life in such a way that you would find favor and good success. Now listen to this. What would you do or what would you pay if we could give you advice or advice came or a way of living came that would cause you to find favor and good success in the eyes of God and in the eyes of men? Man, I don't know about you, but immediately I'm skeptical. I'm not much of a person who believes in a one-thing cure-all or a, or a conference or a saying or a drug that, that could really do all those things. 
But let's just say that you have found a way to live, a way to live that is such that as you live this way, you will find favor and good success in the eyes of God Almighty, and you will find it in men as well. I mean, is there anything more? <laughs> Can you imagine? Isn't that kind of sum it up? That'd be pretty amazing. Now, let, let's say you, you found it. Let's say that you're a parent and you have found this, uh, this way of living, this amazing way of living that does find favor and good success in man's eyes and more importantly, God's eyes. Now let's say you're a parent. What would you do to ensure that your children get it? I would imagine you do about anything. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'd imagine that your life long goal would be to make sure that there was a transformation or a transmission of this knowledge to your children. I mean, you'd go crazy. You'd say, I want to, I want to bind it around their neck. I mean, I don't want them to ever lose it. I want to write this on their heart. If I was able to write this on their heart, I want to do it. You know what? We might even tattoo our kids. We might, we might do it. We might say, you know what? I don't want you to forget this. This is so important that we're going to tattoo this on you. I just heard recently about a drug addict who uh, uh, was trying to overcome an addiction and every day needed to be reminded about how to live his life in a way that would help him to free him from his addictions, literally tattooing things on his body. So instead of going to a needle as he went every day, he would look and he'd be reminded over and over again, this is not the way I got to be remindful. I got to be mindful of what is the way to living. We would do anything, would we not? If we are parents worth anything, the one thing we would want to make sure our children would receive is instruction that would give them life. Instruction that will cause them to find favor in the eyes of man and of God. Wow. Well, amazingly, Proverbs, it's a, it's a book in the Old Testament uh, it's in the literature section of God's Bible. Uh, the primary author of this, this incredible book is Solomon. And Solomon writes, and, and the scripture tells us about Solomon. It says, this is the smartest dude that ever lived, all right? I mean, this guy, amazing amount of knowledge. And not just in the Bible stuff, but in all of creation. I mean, what he could talk about is his knowledge was world famous, I mean, really more than anything, it's his wisdom was, was world famous. People would come and, and pay tribute just to kind of get a counsel with this guy. It was amazing. Well, in Proverbs 3, we have him writing to his son. We have him writing to his son, and he's, he's exhorting his son, if you will. He's pleading with his son. He's begging his son. And he's telling them, son, this is how to live. This is how to live in a way and if you look at it in Proverbs 3, you can turn there. We read, Roy read today, verses 5 through 10, which will be our main focus. But you see in verse 1 of Proverbs 3, uh, Solomon is saying, he's addressing a son. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they'll be added to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Listen to what he says to him. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Why? So that you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and of man. Wow. 
So we have what Scripture says, the smartest man who lived. And we have the setting here in this wisdom literature in Proverbs, Solomon exhorting his son. Let's see it. Maybe an arm around him. Maybe, maybe it's a walk. And maybe this means so much to me because the ages of my own kids and the transformation and the transmission that you would give anything for. But you know what the reality is? God whispers in my ear that I have to get this a whole lot more before I can even move it on. But let's look at it. You want to follow along your bulletin, you'll see an insert there. And it's kind of interesting because we are going to be told, according to wisdom, uh, Solomon, we're going to be told how to live straight lives, if you will, in a crooked world. I mean, Solomon's going to tell us, okay, he's going to talk about these straight paths. It's, it's actually a, a geometric term that our lives could have this, this straightness or smoothness to them. And if we look closely at the promises that we're going to see in this, in this passage here today before us, because here's what he's really promising us, and we got to examine this closely. He says, if we follow this, he says that we will be healthy. If we follow this, he says, we will be wealthy. And if we follow this, we will be wise. Now, if you're here for the first time and a preacher stood up and says, hey, I'm going to tell you how to be healthy, wealthy, and wise, I probably would get up and leave for the door. Hang on, because this isn't a, a health, wealth, and prosperity church or message, because we have to understand God's interpretation of health, wealth, and prosperity. Amen. I mean, God's view of it is quite different uh, than we're going to see that in just a moment. Let me not get ahead of myself. But really, let me just say, what is being promised to us by the smartest man who ever lived is that if we follow these patterns, these three things, these three main things, that we will have lives that are basically healthy, wealthy, and wise in God's eyes. The first one is this. It says, trust in the Lord... With all of your heart. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and you will be wise. Well, what does the word trust in the Lord really mean? Well, a good definition is basically rely on something out of a sense of security. Rely on it out of a sense of security, usually in the face of danger. That's what it means by trust. Rely on something in the sense of true security, usually in the face of danger. How many of you are crazy enough or daredevil enough or adventurous enough to ever go rappelling or rock climbing? Anybody? Karen Meggs is the only hand I saw. <laughs> Love that about you, Karen. All right, a few of us. Well, when you, when you go rock climbing or rappelling, uh, you're going to put on a contraption and they're going to have a rope that's going to be locked into your carabiner and you are going to have to go over a cliff, over a rock, over something, trusting that that rope will be strong enough to hold all of you. I mean, if it's not, you're in peril. I mean, you're really going to fall to a, at least a horrific uh, crash, uh, maybe even death. So the question is, is that rope strong enough? Can I, can I trust it? Certainly, my trusting the rope might be different than many of yours. may want to take a little bit of an extra pull for a guy who's a biscuit away from 300, but who's done it? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. It really, it's really saying, can I trust God with all of my weight? Can I trust him with all of my life? I want to ask a question. How many of you right now are living lives that are either on the edge 
or maybe even over. And how many of you right now are going through issues that are so heavy? And God says to us, listen, I want you fully, fully, completely to trust in me with all that you have. It's interesting. This father is not exhorting his son. He doesn't say basically this to his son. Hey, trust in your own instincts. Uh, trust in your own heart. Uh, maybe it's, it's Master Sunday. Uh, we might hear somebody who says, you know what I had to do? I just had to trust in my swing. I've worked on it really hard. And man, I'm just going to trust on myself. I'm going to trust on my swing. I'm going to trust in, in all the things I've done. This wise father says, well, here's what you got to do. You're not going to trust in your own instincts. You're not going to trust in your swing. You're not going to trust in yourself. You're going to trust in another. You're going to trust with all your heart in God. It's interesting because the Proverbs tells us a lot about our heart. The book of the Proverbs, in, in Proverbs twelve twenty, it says that the heart is, is deceitful. Uh, Jeremiah 17, it says our, our heart is deceitful above all things. I mean, this heart is, is so bad that we're to guard it. According to the writer of Proverbs, he says, we're to guard it because all of life is going to flow out of our hearts. Guard your hearts. Don't trust your hearts. Why? Because sin is present. You see dimly, your heart is broken. Your heart needs healing. It goes on to say in the, in the verse, in the passage, it says, don't even be wise in your own eyes. I mean, basically, Scripture tells us that, that we are to be suspicious of our own hearts. That, that really following our own hearts, following our own instincts, will not lead us the right way. Scripture tells us that we should be suspicious of our own eyes. That, that we should not be wise in our own eyes, in our own understanding. And so what in the world we got to do? we got to put everything in the Lord's hands and trust him. i got to tell you, it's not natural. i got to tell you, this is truly, this is, this is God intervening. Because don't you want to just trust in yourself? I mean, how does it feel? How does it feel to be coming to church and be told that Scripture says your heart you should be weary of, leery of. Your, your, your eyes, don't trust what you see. Your own wisdom, not good enough. Don't trust in it. So what are we to trust God for? Now, now so, so I want to stop and say, as I study this, okay, trust in God with all of my heart. I'm starting to get it. He wants my whole weight. He wants me to be able to jump off the cliff of life and trust that God is going to be able to support me and love me and be there. But what are we to trust God for? And I have a couple things for you to think about. First of all is this, trust God for his promises. I mean, God promises a bunch through the scriptures. I mean, he really does. It's an amazing amount of promises that God has. And some of God's promises are conditional. They really are. I mean, God will say, if you do this, I'll do that. And if you don't do this, I'm going to come around and do that. And there is a condition oftentimes to God's promises. And really, the primary condition God has is obedience. You got to obey. I I will promise you life, he said to Adam, in the garden, if you obey. I will promise you land to the nation of Israel. If you live properly, I'm going to do all this stuff. How have you done? I've messed up. So what in the world do God's promises mean to us, really? I mean, are they, are they just something that he throws out there and he could easily say, well, 
Oh, you didn't do your part, so, so I don't have to do my part. Beautifully. In the New Testament, in the, in the book of Corinthians, Paul is telling us about all that Jesus did. And you see, Jesus came, and you ready for this? Here, you've got to lean into this. Maybe you knew the Jesus story. Jesus came to fulfill perfectly all the requirements of God's promises. He came because there were requirements. Jesus came, and he met the standard for all of God's promises. And some of God's promises came with curses. Some of the things that God says, if you don't do this, you will die. If you don't do this, you'll be in exile. If you don't do this, bad thing will happen. Do you know what Jesus came to do? Jesus came to say, I see all my father's promises, every single one of them, every jot and tittle of them, and I came to complete them all. I came to fulfill everything that God required for this. And everything a broken promise deserves God's anger and wrath. You ready for this? I have absorbed it all as wrath. And so now, in 1 Corinthians 1, 27, Paul is able to say that all of God's promises to us are yes in Christ Jesus. So what's the reality? We trust in God's promises. Jesus has met the requirements. We don't get them all today. We get some today. There's new mercies tomorrow. He says, every day, great is his faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies, new gifts, new love do I see. Some we won't see until we get face to face with him. But the reality is, everything that God ever promised in the Bible, and sometimes you want to say it's too much. It's too much. It's too much. All the spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms are ours in Christ Jesus. They're all yes. Trust in his promises. Some of you may say, but I want them now. I want them now. I mean, immediately. And some you're going to have to, you have them all in Christ Jesus. You have the one who has them all. Trust his timing of paying them. So what do you trust the Lord for? His promises. His power. You know what he says? He says, says, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. In John 15, 5, Jesus himself says, I can do nothing apart from Christ out of the Father. We can do nothing apart from him. So his power to do all things through him. The reality, we can do nothing without him. I think of Psalm 46. God is an ever-present help to those in need. He is powerfully with us. So trust his promises. Trust his power. Trust his righteousness. Interesting one. Trust his righteousness. Think about this. Hold on. This gospel of Jesus Christ is is completely upside down to what many of us maybe thought it was going to be about. Because as Paul says in Romans 16 and 17, that this gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe, the Jew first and the Gentile. But he says about this, this this gospel of Jesus Christ, a righteousness of God is revealed. And we get this righteousness of God, ready for this, not by working real hard, not by trying real hard, not by accomplishing the law, not by being good Christians, not by going to church, not by being baptized. Those are good things in and of themselves, that this righteousness of God is ours through God's grace and faith. That unbelievably, that God says, here's what I want you to trust. Your standing, your righteousness is all in me. Your personal righteousness, filthy rags in my sight, but I provided for you. I provided for you, not just your righteousness, not just as if you did it completely right. I'm giving you God's righteousness. 
So how do we trust in God with all of our heart? When your life is broken, when you find yourself repeating the same patterns that are wrong, when you just feel like God can't love me, I'm a mess. You remind yourself of whose you are positionally in Christ Jesus. Remind yourself what Christ's blood has done for you, what his righteousness has done for you, and you just be set free. A trust trust. We forget it. We understand sometimes we're saved by grace and we think we got to work like crazy to stay there. What an amazing God. What do we trust in? Trust in his son. Trust in his son. Trust in Jesus's performance to fulfill all the requirements. Trust in Jesus's sacrifice. When he said it's finished, it was finished. It was a good enough sacrifice. I mean, an amazing sacrifice had to be made for the infinite amount of our sins. It was good enough. The spotless lamb of God was good enough. God's wrath was poured out enough. He drank to the dregs. It was enough. His blood and righteousness are enough to clothe you and to wash away all of your stains, all of your sins. Trust it. Trust it. Trust it. Fall in love with it. Trust our salvation in Christ. Trust our adoption in Christ. Trust the glorification is coming. How do we do it? With all of your heart. Your heart here in the Old Testament means much more than we think about our lives is our heart. Usually in our lives, our heart is our emotional side of things. But for the writer, uh, the Hebrews, uh, for those who, uh, who wrote the Old Testament, I should say, the heart had so much more meaning. It was the center of life. It was basically love God with all your gray matter. Love God with all your emotion. Love God with all your strength. Uh, trust God with all those things too. Trust God. It's basically saying this. Trust God. Trust God with all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. Trust God for that. Sound familiar, Orangewood? I just spent five weeks talking about the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The Holy Spirit brought me here and said, this is what you need next. Because those who love me have to trust me. And it's the same kind of thing. You gotta trust me with everything you got. Trust me with your, with your mind, your soul. Trust me with your strength. Rest in me completely. Are you just trusting God for your salvation? I, I, hopefully you're at least there. What are you trusting God for? Are you trusting him for your salvation? Or are you trusting him for everything you have? Again, he says this. He wants to reinforce it. Hey, don't lean on your own understanding. Don't lean on your own understanding. Do you know if we take that for just a minute and let you just marinate in that, do you know how uncomfortable we're all going to feel in a minute? I mean, we're going to start screaming out, well, what should I trust in? I mean, you're telling me to live my life not trusting my own understanding? No. What is he really saying here? He's saying, ready for this? Walk by faith. I want you to live your life. I've already done all the work. You are mine. Now I want you to live your life walking by faith. Do you know how hard it is to walk by faith? And listen, the only way that you can walk by faith is when you trust the Lord and love the Lord with all your heart. It's the only way to do it. If you don't trust him with your heart, you're not gonna walk by faith. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Isn't it so easy? We are people by sight. I mean, listen, things we even say that we don't like, we don't like to be blindsided, do we? We don't like to be left out in the dark. I mean, we, we didn't see that one coming. 
I mean, we, we really feel much more comfortable being people of, of sight, people who could see. And this crazy upside-down gospel, Jesus is calling us now to be people who live by faith, who walk by faith, who trust that if God is in control, and if God has already rescued us through his son Jesus, that we could trust that whatever comes to pass or whatever he puts in our lives, wherever we find ourselves, that we are there by design of a good and loving father. And we are there according to his plan. And we're there and we're not outside of his reach or his strength or his will that he can rescue us and teach us. And we can walk by faith into the darkest of places. We can walk by faith into the places that we thought, God, you can't, you can't be calling me into cancer. You, you, you can't be calling me into this marriage that's falling apart. You can't be allowing this to happen now. Now listen, he's not culpable for those things, but he's going to rescue us in and of those things. We've got to trust him and walk by faith. It's hard. It's hard. In all your ways, acknowledge him. How do you do that? I mean, what a Christian, what a Christian buzzword. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Well, this word acknowledge is, is, is really to have personal and intimate knowledge of him. In all your ways, have personal and intimate knowledge with him. And you can't have that by trying to obey the law. The only way you have personal, intimate knowledge with God is when you have embraced his son, Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior. This clearly is written by a father of faith to a son in faith. So you acknowledge him in all your ways. First and foremost, you got to acknowledge him, that you're a sinner that needs his blood and his work and his, his presence in your life. But now, how for the rest of us? Here's how you do it. You acknowledge Jesus as King of kings and Lord of lords in all of your life. In all your life, Jesus reigns. That's what it means to acknowledge him in all your ways. Let me say it in this way. Live under submission to him. That he is king. That that we need to obey his law. We need to live for his glory. We live our lives acknowledging him. Now not living for our own well-being. For the way we feel like it's right to live, we now live in submission to God. You gotta know who this God is. You gotta know what He requires. But not only that, we gotta live on mission for Him. On mission, on purpose. That we are His storytellers. We are His children. We're those that have been rescued with an amazing cost to tell of His love to a world that so needs it. Live on mission for Him. So, what's the payment? God says, listen, trust me with all your heart. Uh, Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge me. And you ready for this? Straight paths. I sometimes want to say, God, you must be terrible at geometry. or I'm terrible at geometry because, man, straight doesn't feel straight. Wise. Paths that are straight. Are you ready for this? Could be smooth. Same word is used for smooth wine going down. Isn't that interesting? You know what it means? It means basically this. This Hebrew word means that this straight path will keep you from going out of bounds. It'll keep you from going out of bounds. It'll keep you from being disqualified. He's basically saying this. If you follow me and you trust in me, I'll never lead you out of bounds. 
you may be in places you never dreamed. And it may feel sometimes that, that you're out of control. But I will never lead you out of bounds. Straight path for crooked lives is loving the Lord our God and trusting Him with all we have. Sometimes His will is a straight path to some crazy places, but never out of bounds. Second thing, fear the Lord and turn from evil and you will be healthy. Okay, so how, we, how are we wise? Well, wise really means he'll keep us from being out of bounds. But now he says, fear the Lord and turn from evil and you will have health. It says this, you'll have health in your flesh. I mean, kind of like your navel. And you'll have flesh and fatness to your bones. He's basically talking about this holistic health. What is God really saying here? We have to acknowledge this as well. Fear the Lord. Well, fear of the Lord is an interesting phrase in the book of Proverbs because fear of the Lord is not trembling in the corner, sucking your thumb, thinking, oh my goodness, there's a big God who might be angry. Fear of the Lord is completely different. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of knowledge. If you look at Proverbs 1, 7, uh, it talks about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all understanding. 2, 5, 9, 10. Uh, Proverbs fourteen twenty seven says the fear of the Lord is the fountain of life. And interestingly, this word fear, the fear of the Lord used in Deuteronomy is so closely parallel to love the Lord. So really what this is saying is it's so close to having a love and an awe for God. Fear the Lord. It's it's the same phrase that the psalmist in 25 says that God is friends, has a friendship to those who fear him to those who love him, to those who are in awe of him. The word friendship there is basically saying God gives secret counsel to. He tells his secrets to his friends. And it's those who, who love and fear him, who know who he is and, and, and respect who he is. Fear the Lord. Here's a definition. Is the affectionate reverence for God. Oh God, I love you, but you are holy. You are creator. By which a child of God, listen to this, by which a child of God bends himself humbly and carefully to his father's love and law. That's that's a beautiful translation of the fear of the Lord. I think it came from Matthew Henry, uh, a Puritan, who says basically it's our affectionate reverence for God by which we bend our lives. We kneel our lives humbly before God, humbly before his life and his law. Fear of the Lord. You ever experienced it? I'll I'll tell you, the time I experienced it my most. I was on my knees praying one Sunday, and I had to come preach. My wife was in pain going through cancer treatments. And everything I prayed for wasn't stopping the pain. And everything I prayed for wouldn't work. And I used everything I had. I mean, I told them everything that I deserved. I told them everything I was doing. I used it in Jesus' name. I tried to do it in Hebrew and Greek. I would try anything. And I'm, I'm on my knees and I'm asking God, can you heal this? Can you fix this? Can you do this? And I so much was trying to manipulate God and so much wanted to leverage him just for one thing. He wouldn't do it. All of a sudden, God got really big. He got, he got really big and I, and I was afraid because I realized that God's ways aren't my ways and God is big and he's holy and he's God and he bursted out of my box. And all of a sudden, I, for the first time in my life with almost goosebumps on me, I'm like, God, you're big and you're huge and you're, you're holy and you won't be manipulated. 
And oh, and I was afraid. I mean, I, I, I promise you, I never had fear of the Lord till then. Have you ever had it? Have you ever feared? Who, he's the creator of everything. He's big and he's mighty and he's holy. C.S. Lewis says it this way, the Chronicles of Narnia, through the lion, the witch, robe, uh, the witch in the wardrobe. And, and the beaver is describing to the children that, that, that the ruler is this lion. And he's this Christ figure. The children are terrified because lions are terrifying, you know? And, and the children say to, to, the, to their guide, to the beaver, they said, well, this, this Aslan, this lion, is, is he safe? He said, no. But he's good. That's the fear of the Lord. To realize that he is God Almighty. God Almighty. And that we are to bow our knee to him. And to know, but he is good. And he listens. And his ways aren't our ways. And he will never fit in your box or my box. He's coming out. Let me ask you this. Are you trying to bend God to your will? Or are you bending your life to his will? I bet you if we're honest with each other, most of us would love to get God in a nice little headlock, maybe a little noogie, and just have him bend to us. Bend to my will. Bend to my wishes. Bend. Bow a knee, Jesus, to what I see is right. Bow a knee, Jesus, to what my eyes say is wisdom. Bow a knee. And thank God he refuses. No. Bend to me. The safest, the most loving, the most awesome place for us to be is to bend our lives affectionately as his children to his law and to his will to fear the Lord, to love the Lord. To, and, and we bend our lives that way by avoiding evil, he says. Lastly, honor the Lord with your wealth. He says that you'll be wealthy. What does wealthy mean? Well, the root to honor, by the way, let's go there first. The root to honor is to be heavy. It's really the literal to give God esteem and prominence, weight. And what he's saying basically is in all of your life, in all of your wealth, in all of your first fruits, he says, all the things you do, you're to give God eminence. You're to give him glory. You're to give him esteem. You're to, to, to honor him. Basically make your life a sacrifice. And let me just say that this is a wonderful culmination of this sermon. Do you trust the Lord your God with all your heart? And do you really fear the Lord? I mean, do you fear him for what he is, who he is, and are turning away from evil? And if you want to know if you are, here's all you have to do. Are you honoring the Lord? Because if you trust him, and you're not trusting in your wealth, and you're not trusting in your identity in something else, and you're not trusting in, in your earnings, if you're really trusting him, if you're really fearing him, fearing him as Lord God Almighty and loving him and turning from evil, you will honor him. You will honor him. You will. Because he's your identity. He's your joy. He's your hope. He's your future. He's your meaning of living. 
And you, matter of fact, sometimes you can be so excited to come in here and honor him with the voice that he's given you, the heart he's given you, and the tithes and offerings you're giving. Because I do trust in the Lord. And I, and, I, and I do fear the Lord. And I want to honor you. How are you doing? Is your wealth your identity? Is your wealth your security? Is the wealth your future and your hope? I love the fact that Jesus Christ comes and gives life and life abundantly. He says, now listen, all the worldly stuff that, has to, that God gives to us, don't hoard it. <laughs> don't, don't build new barns. Don't, tie, don't, don't hoard it. Give it away. What is God's view of wealth? He says this, your barns are going to be full and your, your, your wine is going to be like to overflowing. It kind of has an interesting thing here. You don't even have to get in the vat and squeeze it. It's just going to just flow, okay? So what does God promise us here? You ready for this? He pro- promises us food and drink. Not horses. Not clothes. Not boats. Not houses. <laughs> not stuff. He promises us food and drink. And you know what else he promises us with these things? Things that are useful for your neighbor. <laughs> things that you could use to show love to others. Your barn is going to be full. Have a party, man. In- invite those who have nothing. Invite those that are in need. Invite them to your place because you got something to give. Your wine is going to be plentiful. Invite them so that they can enjoy it as well. I love what Proverbs says about wealth. What does he say about wealth? He says this, Proverbs 30, eight and nine. God says, God's word says, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Least I be full and deny you. Listen, what God's saying is this, give me a life that doesn't have so much stuff because when I have stuff, I usually think less about you and I deny you and say, who's the Lord? Or that I'm so poor and I steal and profane the name of the Lord. How you doing? How you doing trusting the Lord with all your heart? How you doing fearing the Lord and living and turning from sin? How you doing honoring the Lord? Because all those things, he says, straight living will come out of a crooked life if you trust me. If you love and fear me with reverence and bend your life toward mine. What would you pay? What would you do for living life in a way that would allow you to live it in a way that, listen, you'll find favor and good things from man and God? What would you pay? What would you do? Wrong question. What would God do to give it to you? He'd send his own son. He'd send his own son and he'd put on flesh. He become obedient and fulfill all the promises. He become obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. What would God pay for that kind of life? He would give you the ultimate sacrifice of his own son. You pay nothing. He pays it all. Is that not good news? That's what Christ has done. Oh, what a God we have. Oh, what a Savior that teaches us how to live straight lives in the midst of a crooked world. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, it's just, it's almost too good. It's just almost too good to believe that, 
that you're here with us and you're telling us, listen, I got a life for you. I got a life that, that is straight, that will make you wise. It'll keep you from being out of bounds. Uh, I got a life that will give you health. I mean, health to your body and soul that we never go wrong as we're living the way that pleases you. We still might have issues to come along, but your promises will be fulfilled. You promise us wealth. You promise us that we'll have what we need today and that one day we'll have all the blessings in Christ Jesus. What an amazing thing. What would it cost us? It costs us nothing. It costs Jesus everything so we could live our lives this way. Father, I pray your Holy Spirit would come with such power. Come to the one who's yet to embrace Christ as Savior. And today, may they embrace this greatest story. For the rest of us, God, may we trust in you with all of our heart. Lean not on our own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge you. God, may we fear you in a way that's loving, in a way that you're, you deserve all, in a way that's turning from evil. God, may we honor you. Honor you with our wealth. Honor you with our first fruits. All for your glory knowing you were doing none of that to try to earn your salvation, but doing all of it because we've received life in Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.